Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at iCloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. I love the line that says, bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. If you have your Bible, I bet you can guess where we're headed. That's a little bit better than this morning, but not a lot better than this morning. Malachi, right? That's what y'all are meaning, Malachi. And so if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to join me, if you will, in that Old Testament minor prophet called Malachi, Malachi, as God has used him to uh, minister to and speak uh, to the, the tribe of Judah, the people of Judah, and about their condition and about how in their covenant relationship with him that there should be a certain response by them. And really, you'd agree with me that the whole book has dealt with the fact that there hadn't been that. <laughs> There's not been a covenant response that should be there. And it causes me and you to pause and reflect. And uh, as we think about them, we have to pause and reflect and ask ourselves, uh, what about me? What about my life? Does my life look like a covenant response type of life, a life that is in covenant relationship with God? And so I want you to consider that as we continue on here tonight. Did you learn anything this morning? God uh, showed us a different side of what it means to give and and why and what that looks like as a covenant response and not just living according to the law uh, or uh, being burdened and drugged down by it, but instead knowing that it is a response again to the love of God. Do you remember the second thing? And the magnitude of God. He's big. Let me ask you, in your your provision, in the provision that God has uh, afforded you, would you agree that he's exposed in his provision for you those two things, his love for you and his magnitude? Anybody besides me would say that in, in the provision in my life, we sang about it, the goodness of God, the provision of God in my life has again exposed those two things about God, his bigness and his love for me. And uh, I'm amazed by him. Anybody else amazed by him? And uh, all right, so let's dive in. Uh, let's look at Malachi chapter three. And where we're gonna be tonight is, of course, we left off in 12. So that means we're picking up in verse 13, and we're going to go all the way down through verse 15. Well, we're probably going down through 18 tonight, okay? And so some of y'all are like, oh man, we thought we were going to get out a little early, all right? Now, I have some more good news. Uh, After worship tonight, I'm going to need some of you to help me get the chairs out again. Can you believe that? Let me see a smile on somebody up in the house tonight, huh? Aren't you glad? Come on now. Uh, We, hey, here's the deal. We get to move the chairs out again. And so praise the Lord for that. I thought about, I thought about our brothers and sisters all around the world who are having to hide and worship. And uh, they're having to have holes where they dig and they'll have one page of the Bible. And here we are, you and I, it's, it's warm, nice in here and you got a comfortable chair. And all we're gonna need to do at the end is carry one out. If everybody gets two, we'll be done in just a little bit of time. Instead of the hallways, we're gonna put them in some rooms and we'll give you some instruction on that at the end. Stack them seven high, remember? And we'll tote them out here. You guys, I, I was out uh, last Sunday night with uh, signing the, the stud walls, putting scriptures there and praying with people. And I came back, I told Shane, I said, I need to get back in there so I can help. He said, that's done, bud. And so you guys, once again, uh, just blow our minds how you love to serve. And so thank you for that. We'll do that again tonight, okay? Remember, we won't be gathering Wednesday night. Hopefully this will be the last opportunity, um, time for us to do that. So uh, we'll have a big kickoff. You, you be praying about coming the following Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to what God might do. The title of our message tonight is Gift or Giver? 
gift or giver? Now, when you hear that title, wouldn't you agree with me that it causes you to think about uh, am I a gift or am I a giver, right? We kind of just, we, it's, it's interesting about our, our, our way of thinking. It always, we take and try to apply it to ourselves. And that's not, that's not necessarily what the, I want to just sort of paint the picture here is that which is it that you and I want, the gift or the giver, okay? And I, and I want you to, because now here's the thing, we all get this little Sunday school look and we're like, oh, that's easy, right? If I pass the mic, what are we all going to say? Giver. We want the giver. We don't want to give. We want the giver. We want him. We don't want what he has to offer. We want him, right? <clears throat> but but if, we, if we really take a closer look at like our prayer life, uh, the question would be, which do we pray more for? More of him? God, I want more of you. I want to know you more. Or do we pray more for God? I want to be healed. God, I want you to take care of my finances. God, I want you to take care of and so it's worth us slowing down a little bit and considering which is the goal of our covenant relationship with God for us. I know what God's is. He desires us. But our, the question we're going to deal with is, do we want, what are we looking for? What do we want out of this thing? I heard a pastor say one time, he believed that most people would love heaven if heaven had golden streets. Wouldn't that be nice? You don't have to patch it uh, like you do asphalt. And it's, it's the pure gold, kind of uh, it's clear like glass. And uh, gold, if heaven has a pearl gate, uh, not a pearly gates, but a pearl gate, big, great, big pearl that you're walking into, Scripture says, and the walls of heaven are different kinds of jewels and layers. Can you imagine how beautiful heaven must be? And all the wonderful, and, and hey, how about this about heaven? In heaven, we'll never get sick again. Amen. Some of y'all are sick and tired of being sick and tired, aren't you? Huh? And one of these days, we won't have to fool with that anymore. Can you imagine never again getting a runny nose? Never again getting, here's the one I hate, a stomach bug. Have mercy. Don't even say that out loud. Uh, can you imagine, again, never having diabetes, never having to worry about your sugar, never having to worry about uh, headaches ever again, huh? No back pain, no leg pain, uh, no more saying goodbye to anybody ever again. Can you just for a minute think about how wonderful heaven must be? And here's what he said. He said, most people would be fine with that scenario even if Jesus wasn't there. Now, you hang on because we got a little answer we got. But if I told you that was available, you could get there without Jesus, would it disappoint you whether he was there or not? And so the question we're pondering and wrestling with tonight is gift or Giver, okay? So with that thought in mind, now you remember the context of Malachi, yes? A prophet is one who's a mouthpiece of God. He speaks for God to the people, but he also speaks for the people to God. And in the Old Testament, remember this is the Old Testament steeped in the law. Uh, God's still revealing his righteous standard and he's still developing a people, showing us in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that he wants people for himself to be called out from a, the common folk, not special in intelligence and achievement, but special because we are born again and we belong to him. We're his own special people. And he wants us to come out from the rest of the world and be a people who proclaim his praises in our everyday life, okay? And we and he wants us to live a holy life, a life that looks different than the rest of the world, set apart, called out. And he showed us that through the Old Testament, but really it was always pointing to the New Testament, where it wasn't just the Jew, but in Jesus who tore down the middle wall that separated there at the temple, the Gentile and the Jew, he's now created in one blood, one family from one blood, and that being Jew and Gentile in Jesus can be right with God and have fellowship and relationship with him. Boy, that is some good news. And I hope you'll take that out into the world this week. That's the gospel in its simplicity. So 
We talked about the fact that in this old covenant, they're in covenant relationship with God. And because of that, God has responsibility. They have responsibility. God is always perfectly withheld his end of the responsibility and covenant. Aren't you glad he's a covenant maker and not a covenant breaker? But we, on the other hand, come on, somebody. Brother Joe, we, we can be covenant breakers. And meaning this, if you're disqualified from not holding up your end of the deal, we'd have been disqualified a long time ago, wouldn't we? So in this old covenant, he is dealing with them, not as outcasts, not as people he is angry with and want to set on fire, but he's dealing with them as his children. He's correcting their behavior. What good parent does not correct their children's behavior? I'll tell you none. You're not a good parent if you don't correct your children's behavior. And so here's a loving father who says to his children, you've messed up, you're messing up, you're not doing right, you're not, you're not doing what I've called you to do and what I'm worth, and you're giving me your scraps. And yet he still said to them, what was the summation of his desire? Return to me. Come back to me, come back close to me. And so tonight, without any further ado, we'll pick up in, in Malachi chapter three. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet tonight in honor of reading God's word. We'll pick up right where we left off in verse number 13. Are y'all having as much fun in Malachi as I am? Now, when I say fun, I need you to know that it hasn't just been easy. <laughs> There's been some painful moments. Me and the Holy Ghost been sitting down with the Word, and I'm going, mm, mm, he's talking to me. He's talking to me, you know? I'm thinking about, you know, Judah, who he's talking, but I'm thinking to Terry, you know? I'm like, man. And uh, he's really changed my mind and, 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 and helped me with a lot through this study through Malachi. I don't know about you, but he has me. And so let's, uh, let's pick up in verse number 13. So it says, your words have been harsh against me says the Lord. Yet you say, I notice the pattern. We've seen this already, right? God gives a declaration of what's going on. And he says, but you have these questions. And so he's going back and forth for us. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? And you have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord, who meditate on his name. They shall be, listen to what God said, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him, okay? Let's pause for a word of prayer. Will you bow with me? Father in heaven, we come before you again tonight as a needy people. Uh, we need your help, God. And I pray, Lord, as I preach tonight that you would help me. I know that you will. Uh, Lord, I love praying in what I know is already your will because I have confidence you're going to do it. And I pray tonight that once again, you'd give me strength in my voice, in my heart, my mind. Lord, that I would be removed from the equation and tonight, I'd simply be a vessel in your hand. And God, you would again use me as your mouthpiece to speak to me, to speak to all of us. And Father, may it be that every person in here says, wow, that demonstration of preaching is not about Terry, it's about God. And you are a mighty God, an awesome God. And you're able to take somebody as simple as me and as shy and unconfident as myself and you, through your spirit, do an awesome work. So do it again tonight. And Father, as you do that, uh, do a work of grace in my heart, Lord. Uh, through my ears, do a, do a work of grace by your Holy Spirit in the heart of every person. Tune our ears to hear your voice. Lord, would you silence that voice of our flesh that wants to go ahead and think about the week? 
when Monday may not come for some of us here. Now, Lord, help us to realize that what we have is now. So may we lock in like a child who's getting some time with our daddy. And we ask you to speak to us now from heaven. And we say we're listening. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. <clears throat> Thank you. And you may be seated. And tonight I'm going <clears> to <throat> rewind, if I can, go back to verse number 13. And let's talk quickly about the gift or the giver. Okay, that's our title. And uh, what I want to explain to you quickly is what the main idea of the passage is this. God knows those who are truly his. Now, I may not, when you read through that, you may not have seen that at all, but I pray that tonight before we leave, you'll say, oh yeah, I see that now. And so write that in your notes, main idea, God knows those who are, y'all help me, truly his, because some people say they're his, right? And, but some people are truly his. Now, quick question for the, for the audience. Uh, how many of you believe that we can tell the difference? Okay. How many of you like me know that we can't tell the difference? Raise your hand. And, uh, and the reason for that is we can't see into the heart of a person. We can't. We can see actions. We can sort of inspect fruit and kind of try to make a determination. Um, but it is only God who can determine whether or not a person has truly been born again by surrendering in faith to Jesus Christ. Let me explain what I mean by that. <clears throat> what I mean by that is the, the writer of the first Corinthians, the apostle Paul talked about, there will be some who get into heaven and whose lives will be full of wood, hay and stubble, worthless things. And that the holy fire of God will burn away all the way that they've lived. Everything that they've done has been worthless, if you will. And in the, after that's burned away, he says, they'll still be saved as yet though by fire. And I had a pastor say one time, that's the smoking section, you know, <clears throat> and, uh, and, but, but here's the thing I want you to consider in that now, because some of us, we get high-minded sometimes. Y'all out there? Some of us get all churched up, man, and we look down on folks, and we start saying, well, I don't talk that way, and bless God, I don't eat that way, and bless God, I don't drink that way, and bless God, I don't, and we, and we start thinking about us and, and our track record, and we start looking at them, and we say they can't be saved, right? They, don't, they really don't do anything for the kingdom. And yet, Paul said there are going to be some who, who get there, but get there by fire. In other words, their life, they'll, they, there'll be no reward when they get there, which I think is a very, very sad thing, but they will still be there. And some of us would, if we got to choose, we'd say, looking at their life, they're not going to get there. And it is because even when we've been born again, we have this nature in us to want to determine that we've earned our way in, Right. And so understand, but then there are other people who, who are going to declare, Lord, didn't I cast out demons? That's what Jesus said. They're very active. If you looked at their lives, they'll say, I know that guy's going to heaven. He cast demons out. I've seen him do it. And you'd say, he's going to heaven. I know he is. His actions, his life says he's going to heaven. But Jesus said, when they come before him, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So we need to be careful about saying who's going in, who's not going in, who's going to be there and who's not. Amen. I think we're going to get there and be surprised. What are you doing? There are going to be a lot of people that when they see me, I can't believe you got in. And I'm going to say, just Jesus, just Jesus. And so now, tonight, we're going to look at the fact that he knows. He's not fooled, and he knows those who are in covenant relationship with him and those who are not, those who are pretenders and those who are truly born again, okay? So let's rise to our feet, if you would, in honor of reading his word. Well, we did that already, didn't we? We're about to do that twice. I say, let's do it again. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so let's go back and look, if you will. Roman number one in your notes, write this down. Uh, now write this down, we're gonna talk about verse 13 to 15, and we're gonna deal with the disillusion, all right? You, you familiar with that term, disillusion? It means we think something is real, but it's, it's not, it's really illusion, it's disillusion, we've, we've changed our minds. So the disillusion of impure motives. So 
In essence, it's doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Have you ever done that? And have you ever found yourself saying something in order to get somebody to do what you want them to do? Sometimes we call it manipulation. Uh, that is the dissolution, right? It is. It's the dissolution of an impure motive. I'm trying to get you to want to do, but I'm going to appear like I'm doing it righteously, okay? Now, let's find where I found that in the text. Back to verse 13. Your words, God said to them, have been harsh against me. <clears throat> Can you see your, your mom and your dad? Maybe you think that they're gone, and this happened to me. I know it's going to surprise you in my childhood that this happened, but me and my sisters got into a, a big brawl. Now, we didn't punch and all that, but you understand, we, we did push and wrestle a little bit. And uh, mom and dad had left, we thought. And me and uh, my two, because what happened in our house is, if, if I ever did anything, it was always three against one. Only boy, three sisters. And I'm going to tell you what, sisters will make you tougher than brothers any day of the week. And so, we, anything happened, it was always uh, three on one. And so, we had gotten into a little altercation, you know, and we didn't know it, but mom and dad kind of caught wind of it before they left. So, they just walked around the front and walked up in the pine straw in the flower bed there and listened to the whole thing, right? And I remember one of my sisters said, you better get in there and get your room. My older sister get in there and clean your room because mom and dad are going to, and I said, I don't care what mom and dad said. I'm not cleaning my room. <laughs> now, you remember where they are. Huh? And they didn't come, I, I, you know, you'd expect them to bust on through the door, break up the party, but they let me go, right? They gave me more rope. And so I went on about how I went, I was eight years old, and I didn't have to keep my room clean, and it went on there for a while. And then mom and dad came in, and they said, we heard everything you said about us. That, that's the scene. God said, you've been murmuring in your hearts. You've been talking harshly against me. And I've heard every thought. And every word you said about me not being fair and me not loving you and me not blessing you and me not giving you favor in your life, basically what they've been saying is God's not been giving us what we think we're due. See, it was all about the prosperity or the gift rather than the presence of the giver. And God said, your words have been because your motives are impure, you're disillusioned, that the prize is what I have to offer you, and you've missed out on the truth that I am the prize, you see. And so when you're disillusioned uh, that the gift is the object that you desire, what'll happen is when you don't get the gift that you think you deserve, or the gift that you thought you wanted, what'll happen is you'll fool around and think against God or talk against harshly against God. You may say it out loud. You may think it in your head, but guess what? He hears both conversations. And I know that there have been times in my life that God would say what he said to them, to Judah. He'd say that to Terry. He'd say, you know, you've spoken harshly against me. Now, let me ask you a question. Can any of you say that that's been, you've been guilty of that in your lifetime? That maybe you've spoken harshly against God with your mouth. Maybe, you have, maybe you've spoken harshly against God in your, in your mind or your heart or your actions. And so tonight, he says, the dissolution of impure motives, number one, impure motives will cause us to backtalk God. Did you ever backtalk your parents? I did a couple times. Just, uh, Brother Joe said one. I said, me, it was more like three. You know, I, I tell you, I'm hard-headed. And now, let me ask you this. How many of your parents ever had your children backtalk you? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Wow, okay, all right. So do you remember how old they were about? Someone said two. <laughs> they were barely putting words together, right? <clears throat> but but let, let's just say this. Were you surprised how quickly they went from, from goo goo gaga and cooing and to, to saying things back to you like they were six foot ten and huh? I remember looking and thinking, you little joker? I can pick you up with two fingers. 
And you're talking to me like that? Uh, I, I have been astonished at that. How much more? Let me ask this question. What's the greater gap? The distance between a little child and an adult? Or the distance between a human and God? And how much more have I misunderstood his actions and withholding gifts that I thought I needed because he's infinitely wise and he cares for me more than I even care for myself? Now, let's just talk about that for a minute. So the dissolution of impure motives was Roman number one. This is going to be a list of three things we're going to talk about quickly. First one is the impure motives will cause us to backtalk God. And they had, they've been talking harshly. That word means, um, the kind of speech here it speaks of is, is the kind of talk that is trying to overrule him. In other words, the way in which God has been dealing with them, they're not happy with it. And they're basically in their mouths, in their conversation, calling God to the carpet. But let me just say to you something. It's a dangerous thing when you try and call God to the carpet. And so they're back talking. There's an impure motive. Why? Because remember, they're not wanting God. They're not wanting the giver. They're wanting the gift. All right, number two. There's a list of three. The, the disillusion of impure motives. Impure motives will cause us to backtalk God. That's a disillusion. Number two, impure motives will cause us to desire gifts over the giver. We'll look at that in verse 14, okay? Verse 14. Impure motives will cause us to desire gifts over the giver. Now, put your eyes with me, if you will, in verse number 14. So God says, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? <laughs> I, I remember saying to mom and dad, I didn't come out and tell them right away because I didn't know how much they heard in the flower bed. <laughs> right? So I said, what, if, what, what do you mean I talked about you, you know? That's what the, you see? Uh, I misunderstood. Because I didn't know about how, and, and oftentimes don't we treat God like he's just limited like us? All right, so verse 14. You have said it is useless. Somebody help me serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? I want you just to think about that for just a minute. What they're saying is because we have not received the gift that we thought we wanted and that we thought we needed and that we thought we earned and deserved. Now, let me hit the pause button and ask you to think for a minute because we've gone through the whole book now almost. And I want you to think and remember for a minute who these people are and how they've treated God. Now, remember what they've offered him. Their very best, right? Their very best choice livestock is what they've offered. No, they've offered him there. And, and then they would have the audacity to say, now we offered you the scraps and you, you haven't given us the gifts that we thought we were earning by doing what you said do. And so you and I have to be very careful and very in tune with the Holy Spirit and very settled and fed on the word of God because our flesh is very crafty. And we'll mask that thing and act like, well, no, 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 I don't, I'm not so concerned about the gift. But if we look at what we think about, what's on our mind and what we're praying for, truth of the matter is more often than we care to admit, we're really more concerned about the gift than we are the giver. And it's an impure motive. It's a disillusioned impure motive. So impure motives will cause us to desire uh, gifts over the giver. They say, and, and by the way, uh, wouldn't you say that by God allowing them to live the way they've treated him, they've, he's given them some gifts. Amen. Because he hadn't cut the rain off yet. I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying tonight. Because he's the one who controls the rain. You understand that, right? And he cut the rain off. When he cuts the rain off, when they go to their flock to pick the sick and the lame, all of them are dead because there's no grass. So at any point in time, God could shut the whole thing down, but he's been gracious and kind, but because he didn't give them the gift they thought they deserved, they're, they're, talk, they're back talking, talking bad about God, and they're saying, oh, there's no profit to serving him. Listen, if you ever get to the point you're serving God to get something in return, you've missed it. Service, listen, serving the Lord, servanthood is a maturation. What happens is a person comes to know Jesus 
and has their sins forgiven. And I'm telling you, it's an overwhelming thing, isn't it? When you first come to Christ. And what happens is immediately, immediately, when I see people born again, they're always asking me, what can I do? What can I do? Interestingly enough, now here's, I want to just present this to you. I want you to think through it with me. Interestingly enough, on down the road some, y'all with me? A person's born again, you know, and they're whatever, whenever, and they get into church and boy, they start going and it gets to be routine and ritual. And then, you know, five years down the road, six years, 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, 35 years, all of a sudden they're not saying, hey, what can I do anymore? They're saying, what's being done? Why isn't this and why isn't that? And who's doing this and who's going to do that? Why isn't this getting done? And somewhere along the line, wouldn't you agree with me uh, that we... Uh, fall more in love with the gifts than we are with the giver. You see, the one who loves the giver says this, I don't care what it is, I've got to serve him. He's been so good to me, I cannot sit on the sidelines and do nothing for the glory of his name. I must serve him. How can I put me somewhere? And what I've learned is too, when people really, really understand him and are really in covenant relationship with him, here's what they usually say. I don't care what it is, I just want to serve I had a person ask me not too long ago, can you believe this? It like to blew me away. The person said, I want to serve. And I said, okay, well, you know, here's my first question always because I know how we generally are. I said, well, where would you like to serve? And you know what the person said? I almost fell out. Where's the greatest need? I said, oh, excuse wait a minute. Say that again. You mean you don't want to pick the committee and you don't want to pick the time and place and you don't know how to figure it out? Nope, nope. God's forgiven me and I've been born again and I just, wherever the greatest need. I said, all right, what if I say greatest need is in the nursery? The person said, how can I help? And I'm just sitting there going, whoa, what happens to us? That we somehow get down the line, we fall more in love with the gifts, the provision of God, and we lose that, hey, God, use me anywhere you need to use me if it'll bring glory to your name. And so now he's determining this people are not doing that. Now we're heading somewhere. We're heading somewhere, okay? Now, remember the main idea. God knows those who are, come on, say it like you mean it, those who are truly he is, okay? Now, coming on along, for first we said, verse 13, impure motives will cause us to backtalk God. Secondly, impure motives will cause us to desire gifts over the giver. That's verse 14. Verse 15, number three, all right, before we move on to Roman number two. Impure motives will cause us to misjudge blessing. Misjudge blessing. You ever misjudge blessing? In America, we think the only thing that is a blessing has to do with money, Western way of thinking. And listen, I'm not telling you it's mine and your fault. It's just that we're born into a culture and it's a Western way of thinking. Blessing is always attached to money. You take that outside this country. You ever do a little mission work outside the, uh, the, the friendly confines of the U.S. of A., you'll find out quickly if you start associating blessing as money in Haiti, they'll look at you like, well, God must hate us and... And so don't, don't misconstrue. All right, let me move on. Verse number 15. So now, now remember what they said. There's no benefit. There's no profit. In other words, we hadn't gotten what we want by serving God. Look at the word they use in verse 14. It's useless to serve God. Wow. So now this is where they've determined. This is where they have arrived. What caused them to arrive in verse 15? God has not been a genie in a bottle. God has not done exactly what they wanted to do when they wanted him to do it. So now this is where they have arrived in their thoughts. Okay, you reading with me? It's a disillusionment. Listen, verse 15. So now, we, here's what we determine. We call the proud blessed. What does God call the proud? Condemned. 
We have determined, because we didn't get what we wanted when we wanted it, even though we're offering God our scraps, we think he should be our genie in the bottle and give us what we want. But because we've not, we've determined that the proud are the ones who are really blessed. And God says he hates pride, and the pride are condemned, and they're going to face judgment unless they're repent and turn to Jesus, right? So read, read along with me. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They, 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 they get stuff. The end of verse 15, they even tempt God and go free. We've been watching the, here it is. We've been watching the prosperity of the wicked. And we've determined, first, misconception, we've determined we're not wicked. Even though we've been offering God stolen lambs. Isn't that absurd? Who are they calling the wicked? <laughs> who would be wicked apart from the man who goes in somebody else's flock and steals their choice lamb and takes it to God for his offering? What a farce. And they would say to God, well, the wicked man there, you kidding me? Didn't, you, didn't your field get rain? So yeah, the wicked do prosper, but you've misjudged who the wicked are. So we need to be careful, don't we? In considering who we call wicked, how we understand. But listen, he says, so we, we call the proud blessed. Those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. So there's an impure motive, a disillusionment of impure motives. Three, we said, impure motives will cause you to backtalk God. Secondly, impure motives will cause us to, help me y'all, desire gifts over the giver. And thirdly, we've determined right here in the text, verse 15 said, impure motives will cause us misjudge blessing misjudge the wicked. It'll cause all kind of misjudgment <clears throat> if, your, if your motive is just what God has to offer. Roman numeral two, and this will be where we'll land the plane. Can you believe that? Our time evaporates in here. I don't know what happens. Roman numeral two, all right? Will you write this down? Authentic covenant people will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, there's hope for me, <laughs> and I want to say there's hope for you. Authentic. Now, be careful to hear that. <clears throat> Authentic covenant people will be saved. They'll be saved from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. Let's read, okay? You had a chance to write that down? This is going to be verses 16, 17, and 18, okay? 16, 17, and 18. Here we go. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord, I love this, listened and heard them. Aren't you glad he hears you and I? So Book of Remembrance was written before him for those who Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And those who meditate on his name. Remember, he talked about early in the book, early in um, uh, Malachi's ministry, he had spoken through him and said they had not feared God. Remember? So now he's talking about a different group of people. There's a group of people who fear God. In other words, this fear of God that he speaks of here is that they didn't fear. In other words, they weren't afraid enough of who God is to trust him to trust him to say that here's the standard, to trust him to say that you need to be saved, right? Uh, to trust him to say that you, you got to go about this my way. Uh, and so we would take that to the New Testament and say, those who don't fear the Lord don't believe there's only one way to heaven. They say all roads lead home. But if you fear the Lord, you say, God said there's one way and his name Jesus. is Jesus. And it is a fear of the Lord, a trust in God, a healthy trust that he's God. In other words, it's the kind of trust that says he's God. He gets to determine what the peace treaty agreement is and the terms of that agreement, which, by the way, was the death of the only lamb who was worthy, his only son. That's the only peace treaty agreement that God will barter and deal with people on. And now in him, we can be forgiven. Aren't you glad of that? 
Now, just going back to the text, look with me. Authentic covenant people will be saved. We're in verse 16. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. Uh, for those who fear his name, uh, fear the Lord, and who meditate on his name. They consider it. They ponder it. They think on him. Uh, the, the connotation here is their mind is consumed with the name, nature, and character of God. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that they were more concerned with the giver than they were with his gifts. There's just two groups of people he's talking about here. A group of people who weren't living in covenant relationship with him who were only concerned with his gifts. But there are another group of people who are authentic. They really are in covenant relationship with God. Oh, we would say in the New Testament, they really have been born again. And when you have really been born again, you're not as concerned with the gifts. Now, they're wonderful, and we thank God for them, and our heart's full of gratitude. But we know that the greatest gift that could ever be given has already been given. And so we'd say our God is a gracious and good and giving God because he gave us Jesus. But not only that, he gave us the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody smile. Then he gave us his word, amen? And then he gave us the church, three great resources God's given us. That he is so generous and so kind. Listen to what happens in verse 17. He says in verse 17, they shall, I love this. These that are in real authentic relationship who care more about me, who really love me, who desire me and not what I have to offer, they shall be, somebody help me. Mine. I love to think about the fact I'm the purchased possession of God. Because you know what we do with our possessions, if they're valuable to us, we take care of them, put them up, we keep them clean, we, right? If we, if, we, if we really appreciate them and love them, we take care of them. And let me just say something to you. You are expensive. And you hear me say this a lot, but man, God bought you and he paid a high price. The highest bidder was God himself. Who did he bid to? He bid to himself. What did he give? He gave his only son. Nothing higher could have been given. There's no greater expense that could have ever been extended to someone like you and someone like me. Amen. And he did that. And, and here's the thing. I love to think about it sometimes. It's just, you know, I get all frustrated with life and with myself. And sometimes I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm his and he's mine. And that's enough. That's enough. He's mine and I'm his and that's enough, okay? So in verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, especially those things you pay a lot for. You don't let the little children play with and let the neighbors knock them around the street, right? You keep them put up, you take care of us. That's what God does. On the day that I make them my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son. Oh, here it is, who <clears throat> serves him. So you see there's some, there's some differentiation between the one who wants God and the one who wants what God has to give. The one who wants God, uh, there's a, we see this coming back over and over. The one who wants God serves God. Now he doesn't serve God. She doesn't serve God to get God, but because they're getting to know God better, you can't help. But the more you get to know Jesus, the more you say, take my hands, take my feet, take me where you want me to go and do what you want to do with me. I just want to serve you. I wonder what's broken inside of you and your relationship with him that that does not the driving motivation of your life. God, I just want to serve you. What's happened? What is it in the culture? What's going on in your life that has caused me and you to sort of just drift off in the background and not to be having a burning, passionate desire to say, I must serve him. Because as Zechariah said in his prophecy of John and Jesus, he said that, that God would defeat our enemies and grant us that we might serve him favorably all the days of our life. We've been granted a privilege to serve God. Now, if you're only serving him for the gifts, that's not authentic. But if you love him and you're getting to know him, you want to serve him for the glory of his great name. Oh, let me go back to the text if I can. On that day, he said that I make them my jewels. I'll spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Serving doesn't make him his son, but because he's his son, he serves him. Verse 18, then you shall again 
discern. Now, now what God's saying is, is when I expose all of this, when I expose the fact that some are in authentic covenant, some aren't, some say they are, but they're really not. Uh, many people masquerade as wanting God, I want the Lord, but really what we, what we want, what they want is what God has to offer, okay? I'll pray a prayer if it gives me a golden ticket to heaven, sure. I don't want to know him. I don't want to invest any time. I got to look at Facebook first thing in the morning. I don't want to, I'm not going to open my Bible. I'm not going to do that, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll and so you, you see the difference? And he's saying, on that day, there's coming a day where I'll show, I'm going to show, and when this time comes, he said, you're going to know again which ones are authentic and which ones aren't. Re read with me, okay? Uh, that's right there in verse 18. Then you shall again discern. That means to be able to tell the difference. And then again, you shall, you shall again discern between who? Oh. So remember we went back and we looked at a couple verses earlier when they said, the wicked are prospering. And God said, you, you don't know who the wicked are. You've been offering me your scraps and you're calling somebody else wicked. He said, your discernment's way off. But he said, there's coming a day when your discernment's going to be on. I'm going to make evident which ones are really mine. You'll be able to see and determine and which ones aren't. And it'll be evident specifically in the fact that they want me more than they want what I have to offer. And by the way, those who want him more than the gifts, God gives some wonderful gifts to. But those who only want the gifts, God withholds. And so tonight, I want you to just consider that as I read verse 18 again, then you shall discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who, oh, and he ties this term back in again. Do you see that? Between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Listen, God knows those who are, help me somebody, truly he is. Let's pray together. Will you bow with me? He knows those who are truly his. So my question for you now is simply this. Are you truly his? Are you truly his? <clears throat> Have you entered into a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the son? Has there been a time you can go back and reflect on when the Holy Spirit began to stir in your heart and show you that God loves you and he paid for you and Jesus bled and died and rose again and as the Holy Spirit showed that, you said, yes, yes, Jesus, I, I want you. I want you. I want you to be Lord, number one, above everything else. And if not, I want to just encourage you tonight. There's no better time than right now. You may not have tomorrow, but you do have right now. And God's made a way for you to be right with him. Now, let me say this to you. If you're in covenant relationship with God, we're learning, right? So tonight, we've learned another, another piece of the puzzle. And as we know, we've been born again. Those of us who have, another piece of the puzzle is, if, is maybe somewhere along the, along the line, along the road, the bumpy road of life, somewhere along that road, I sort of shifted from just God was my treasure that I seek. And it, and it began to be what God has to offer is what I was always seeking. And here's the good news about that. He's not withholding his love from you. He's still causing the rain to fall in your field that you might have provision. But what he's saying to me and you is we need to get back to that place where we're just, we're just amazed that God would even let us serve him. And because of that, we were just looking for a spot, man. We're just looking for a spot. If I can just hold the door open for people on Sunday, just, just, I need a spot to serve the Lord because he's been so good to me. 
He purchased me. I'm his possession. I, he owns me. I belong to him. He belongs to me. And I don't, I don't deserve to be in the family. I ought to be, ought to be headed for hell right now, but I'm not, friend. And I, I'm telling you, it makes me want to serve him because of his goodness. Oh, some of us in here are missing out on the joy of serving the Lord. Would you commit that to prayer? Would you just ask God, God, right now, show me where I'm at in servanthood. Have I had strings attached? I'll only serve in places where I determine. Have you limited how God might can use you because you determined maybe you can or maybe you're not worthy? Would you hear a still small voice say to you tonight? All things are possible with him. I want to say that the altar is open tonight. Gerald's down front. He's going to help me out. Brother Jimmy, Miss Renee, and I think maybe John and Beverly are going to help us tonight. I'll say this. Maybe you just have one of them to come pray. Hey, will you pray? Maybe just come take one of them by the hand. <clears throat> Matter of fact, will you stand with me tonight? Will you stand with me with heads bowed and eyes closed just for a minute? Maybe you just get up out of your chair and what, ladies, you'd come find one of these ladies and guys, you'd come find one of these men and you just leave out of your chair and say, hey, would you just pray for me? You don't have to say what for. I'm gonna wait for just a minute. I just feel compelled that there ought to be people right now just coming out of your chair and say, hey, will you pray for me that I'll serve the Lord with gladness? Maybe you need to come out of your chair and just come say, you know what? I've gotten a little bit bitter in my service. I've gotten a little bit slack in my service. Would you pray for me? Come on, somebody ought to be leaving out of their chair right now and come take one of these ladies, one of these men by the hand and say, would you pray for, just pray for me. Pray the Holy Spirit of God would stir me to a place of servanthood like never before. Maybe you're here and you're downtrodden, you're tired, you've been serving so long, you feel like burning out, you're on the edge of burnout. Maybe you come take one of them by the hand and say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm getting a little bit burned out. I'm getting a little bit weary. Would you come pray? Would you ask one of them to pray for you? Come on, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? As the Spirit gives utterance, some have already come. This is your opportunity to come say, would you pray for me? If you've been born again, come share with us. We want to celebrate with you. Some of you here tonight, you're saying, well, I'm too old. I, I can't really. Say, yes, you can. You have some golden years of service in you. Some of you are saying, I'm too young or I've done too much. Man, I'm telling you, God's got you primed with a testimony and he's going to use you if you'll let him to serve him. And people are going to be amazed that somebody like me and somebody like you could serve the Lord. So come on, what are you waiting on? Many have come. Many have come already. Just come on, ask them, hey, will you pray for me? Father, I thank you for the word tonight. And I thank you that you do know those that are truly yours. And I pray for those of us who are truly yours that God tonight, we really would invest it. We'd ask you to look into our hearts, look into our lives and cause us, grow us up as servants. Grow us up, God. Lord, for the one who was a servant long time ago, who served with passion and zeal and for whatever reason, somebody hurt their feelings, somebody did something. Lord, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, you'd give them a touch. Lord, we need them. Lord, we need folks that are not on the sidelines, but right in here with us, sharing the gospel and serving and so, Lord, I pray you, your kingdom would come, your will would be done. Deal with us now as the daddy does his children. In Jesus' name.